Hey everyone, welcome back to the Core Leadership Podcast. It's your host, Landon here. And today we have two incredible guests with us today. The first is Andrew Robertson, also known as A-Rob. He was a 2022 Core Leadership Retreat participant. He is currently an alumni member of the IOTA chapter at Baylor University. And he also served as the chapter president in 2022 there at the IOTA chapter. Then also we have Jake Perkey. He also was a 2022 core leadership retreat participant. He is currently a collegiate member of the Omicron Collegiate Chapter at Mississippi State University. And he also served as president in the year of 2022 there at Mississippi State. How we doing? How we doing? Doing good. Awesome. Well, we're we're super excited to have you guys. I think you guys are the first duo that we've ever had on the podcast. And we are super excited to hear just a little bit about your journeys and also diving into a really cool topic here today. So without further ado, we'd love for you guys just to both introduce yourselves, your background, and any plans you're in right now or future plans you're looking ahead to. Yeah, what's up, everybody? My name is Jake Perkey. I'm 22. I'm from Collierville, Tennessee. I'm a current senior at Mississippi State, uh, majoring in biological sciences with a pre-medicine concentration. So right now I'm about to graduate this May. And post-college plans are still a little bit up in the air, waiting to hear back about medical school applications. But I also just found out that I got accepted into a graduate program at UT. That's the real UT, the University of Tennessee. So if this isn't the year for med school, planning on, uh, yeah, (laughs) this isn't the year for med school, planning on going to to grad school and filling my gap here with that. So that's kind of what's going on with me right now. It's great. It's great. How's it going, y'all? I'm Andrew Robertson. Like Landon said, I'm I'm also known as A-Rob. I'm from Charleston, South Carolina. I just graduated in December from Baylor with a degree in finance and risk management, and I am currently enrolled. I start in August, but I've already enrolled in graduate school for a master's in health administration at Virginia Commonwealth University, VCU, go Rams, in Richmond. Go Rams. Other than them just getting bounced in March of Adventist, right? When did they get bounced, there, Rob? They got bounced first round and Baylor got bounced second round. So it was, Man, that's it was tough. tough March Madness tough. for my colleges. You know. Not not everybody can be cheering for their team in the Sweet 16 like my balls are right now. So yeah. totally understand, totally understand. With that being said, with you guys talking through your personal backgrounds, would love for you guys to dive into your Bucks experience. A hey, Rob, you're you're kind of out of that collegiate sphere. You're more in the alumni sphere. And Perky, you're finishing up your collegiate experience. Would love for you guys just to dive into what it's meant for you. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of funny. I went to Bucks initiation on Monday, actually, as an alumni. Very weird experience. But for me, I had a really rough first semester at Baylor. I was a thousand miles from home. And at Baylor, you rush second semester for fraternities. So I wasn't in any stress to rush frat. I wasn't thinking I wanted Greek life. Um, And honestly, towards the end of my first semester, I considered transferring. It was a tough time. Wasn't feeling it. And I actually met my current roommate and his older brother was in bucks towards like almost December of, of my freshman year. And literally that was the thing that kept me at Baylor. I decided I would go to a rush event because they were bowling. And I said, why not? I ended up falling in love with some of the guys I met and just being overwhelmed with the quality of these, you know, 19, 20, 21 year old guys. And so during my time, I chose to rush, got a bid, thankfully. And during my time in Bucks, I served on the recruitment committee immediately. And then eventually I was one of our chairs for Sing, which is a Baylor tradition. It's a big song and dance thing. And then wow. I actually ended up running for president as a junior and was blessed enough to be elected and enjoyed my term a lot and kind of a 
all things come together moment. I finished my term and graduated mm-hmm. in the same, you know, three day span. So yeah. Come on. That's awesome. Yeah. So for me, started going to, or was planning on going to Mississippi State for a while. Signed up for fraternity rush in the spring and was kind of not really seriously considering going through rush actually. Went down to Jackson, Mississippi one weekend during the summer to visit my grandparents and got a text about uh, a recruitment event that was happening in Jackson, which is weird because I'm not even from Jackson. So my grandparents are kind of boring. So they're just sitting there reading all weekend. So I was like, all right, well, I'm going to go check out this recruitment event. It sounds like a lot of fun. We were supposed to go to a Mississippi Braves game and it stormed. So ended up just being like 30 bucks guys pulling up in Cracker Barrel in Pearl, Mississippi. Come on. Um, yeah, which was awesome. So I ended up meeting a lot of really great people, including my future big brother, shout out Garrett Smith and lots of guys who ended up rushing with me. So got initiated fall 2019 and first got to be involved with leadership and like recruitment team and pledge team. And then after that started seeking officership. So I served as recruitment coordinator in 2021, served as a cell group leader that same year and then 2022 president. And I'm on my way out now, but still serving in a couple of smaller roles and just trying to find ways to stay plugged in, you know, while I still can, but looking forward to becoming an alumni member and kind of carrying on as a member of Bucks in a different capacity. It's great. It's great. Well, thanks you both for sharing. It sounds like you guys have worn so many different hats for your respective chapters and really that heart of service. You can just hear it, you know, in your story and and the heart that you have behind it. So really cool to hear the backgrounds there. Um, As we've mentioned, these two both served as president in 2022. That was just last year. I mean, you guys just finished this deal up. I'm serving as your collegiate chapter president. So with that being said, you guys were leading Generation Z, right? The notorious generation. Some people are like, hey, they're the best. And some people, depending on which generation they're from, are like, these people don't have a clue. But I did some research and as a member of Gen Z myself and looked through just some characteristics as, you know, trustworthy Google would define Generation Z. So we're going to go through a few of these here before we get into our main topic. Generation Z is defined as ambitious. They love to travel. They're prone to anxiety. They're known to set boundaries. They are avid gamers, very nostalgic, and they always use social media. What are you guys' thoughts on the forefront on Generation Z there? You think that defines it well? Pretty well, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Pretty broad, but I'd, I'd say it's pretty accurate as well. <laughs> <laughs> pretty accurate. Well, you, you never know with Google, right? It's a hit or miss. But But yeah. The reason I bring up Gen Z is today's topic is what it's like to lead Generation Z, but also what it's like to be a Generation Z leader. What it's like in this time of age where we're very digitalized. We know everything about everyone, it feels like, with social media. And there's a lot of great connection, but there's also some pretty intense isolation in that. So we're just going to dive in to Andrew and Jake's journeys and being able to lead through that, but also be able to understand themselves individually as leaders of, hey, how am I wired in this point of time, how the Lord has placed me to serve in the capacities in which I've served. So would love to hear from you guys just some characteristics of Gen Z. What do they desire at the end of the day? What does Gen Z, when you are leading these men in your collegiate chapter in 2022, what do they desire from you as their president? For me personally, our guys wanted honesty. They wanted planning. They wanted scheduling. They were honestly very like 
future seeking, future looking. And that was one thing that was kind of surprising for me as not the biggest planner personally, but they're also looking to be understood and looking to be heard in pretty much every aspect of what goes on, which is not necessarily everyone's experience when they're leading, but I feel like it is a pretty common experience for people who are leading. Yeah. Yeah. agree with A-Rob there. Definitely uh, our guys desire to be heard. They desire to, you know, have opportunities to be a part of leadership, even if they're not in that said leadership role themselves. And they want transparency. They want to see kind of what you're doing as well as kind of why you're doing it, kind of what is the heart behind things. So for us, when we took hold of the chapter uh, 2022, that was kind of one of the things that we were focusing on is just trying to be transparent and effective leaders yeah. as well as, you know, incorporating ways for guys to be heard and, and understood. Yeah, that's great. Two things I heard there were two words, really. Empathy and transparency. Hey, Rob, you touched a little bit how people just want to be understood. Our guys want to be understood and known and valued. And then, Jake, you touched on we want to be as transparent as possible. How do you feel like our current context in our day and age creates that desire in folks as they get into groups like Bucks and other organizations? I think in a lot of ways, like the media and everything, everyone has a voice and in a way with technology and with, with your phone and with Twitter and with Instagram, wherever you want to put it, everyone feels like they have a voice externally. And so they feel like they should have a voice and they rightfully should in the operations of what they're being led in. And I think that's one of the most important things for people right now is, especially when you, when you put it in the terms of empathy, people may not be putting out, you know, the most vulnerable things on their Twitter or Instagram, but they definitely want people to be listening to what they have to say, whether or not it's mm. something serious or whether or not it's something, you know, just funny or just an opinion yeah. that they're sharing. I think people, especially in today's day and age, focus so much on who's listening to them and how can I get more people to listen to me. Mm. To, have, to have a place to belong is kind of like the bottom line of that. Much more important than like being in a said role or like having a certain responsibility. I think guys just want to like be able to belong somewhere. They want to have a community, which is something really, really great that I think Bucks does really well is to be able to provide that in so many different ways. You know, obviously A-Rob and I both served as officers and a couple other a um, couple other roles as well, but uh, by and large, Bucks provides the opportunity for guys to truly belong to a community and to find something that gives them that opportunity for empathy, for transparency to be heard. So that's something that that's really great that I think is is sometimes lacking kind of in our society today, apart from, you know, things like the church and Bucks. Yeah, yeah, definitely with those those two points where we're such an interconnected society, but like A-Rob was saying, we, we don't always project the true picture of what's going on, right? Like it's not always, Hey, my day just absolutely was the worst today. And I could not just get through it. And how do you project that on Twitter, let alone Instagram? I don't think there's a good picture for that. You can post, you know, but with that, it leads to isolation. Like I don't add up. I'm not as good as them. Like they're achieving this, they're doing X, Y, Z. And it goes back to your point, Jake, in that is that leads to isolation and creating that space for community in that. How would you guys say the infamous COVID 2020 time, you guys were in college at that point, how has that impacted what you experienced in 2022 and that isolation versus that hunger for community? I mean, for me personally, going through kind of COVID and being sent home from school at the end of my freshman year, it really kind of 
made me realize how much you can easily take community and something like Bucks for granted just to see kind of how, how important it is. And even if you're like, even if we weren't at school and we were all virtual or we couldn't have chapter, we couldn't have day parties, like the friendships and the brotherhood was still there, but it's mm -hmm. also a good reminder of how you have to fight for that stuff. You know, you can't just sit there and expect it to passively come to you because there may be circumstances yeah. or challenges that you've got to work through that might hinder that. Um, but with something like that, it, the community and the belonging is worth fighting for. And it's something that, like yeah. I said, you, you can't let, you can't just sit and wait for it. You got to go get it sometimes. That's great. Yeah, I completely agree with Jake. I mean, I got initiated on a Wednesday and went home for spring break on a Friday and didn't come back <laughs> Gosh, and see, didn't see these guys who I'd pledged with for seven weeks for wow. over six months. And so wow. that was something for me where it was like when I got back, don't get me wrong, there were some great like measures we took over COVID to stay in yeah. contact and stay in the fellowship and brotherhood that we had formed. But when we got back, it was like, we are never taking this for granted again. And it's mm -hmm. something we kind of, we hit the ground running with that and just spent as much time together. And, and like Jake said, it's just, you value that community so much more when you don't have it right in front yeah. of you for a period of time. So, yeah. That's great. I, myself, I didn't get the privilege of being freshman during COVID. I was an officer. So I was, I was chaplain with the Alpha Zeta chapter of the University of Tennessee, Go Vols. 2020 hit and I was I was in that and, and one of the big phrases our team said in that season was we're not just here to grow unity we're here to defend it and preserve it like we want to put a fence saying hey no matter what comes our way we are going to make sure the brotherhood and unity exists in every individual's lives that we get the honor to serve and that still bleeds into 2022 and even 2023 now it's like we're still embracing the ramifications of that especially when you start your bucks experience in isolation it's hard to grow in that community so would love to hear how you guys have weathered the storm particularly on a mental health aspect of getting guys you know where you want to go on a collective vision standpoint but also meeting them where they are and where their needs need to be met in that context yeah, so Gen Z is probably the first generation to be continually exposed to social media from a pretty early age until now, obviously, yeah. which kind of a consequence of social media is, is comparing yourself to other people and kind of falling into, into that trap, which is it's it's pretty easy to. I think it can be especially hard in the context of a Christian fraternity at times, even something as great as Bucks. I know for me, it's been it's been tempting and, and easy at times to try to compare myself to the people, you know, who seem to be doing better than me, but, you know, trying to measure yourself up to the people around you and those you want to be more like will never work in the long run, you know, comparisons, the thief of joy, and God doesn't want you to be envious of someone else. You know, I mean, it's the great part about bucks is you can easily use people as a model for like encouragement and like a really great man of God that's around you, but it's too easy to fall into that trap of, of comparison. Cause that's not, yeah. that's not what we're supposed to do. Yeah, I, I'm fully with Jake on that. I think it's so important for people to understand that, like Jake said, comparison is the thief of joy. And if you are trying to, you know, live your life on a kind of one upping everyone else on your Instagram feed, you're just going to come away sad and upset and frustrated because you're never going to be better than that best person on their best day, because that's what you get on Instagram. That's what you get on all those social media platforms. You get the highlights of that person's life. And I think it's so important to realize that God's journey that he's paved out for you is for you. It's not for you to be jealous of someone else's that he's paved out yeah. for them. Yeah. And it's 
something that's so difficult when it's in the forefront of your mind at all times, but it is so important to take in. Yeah, it's having a hold of that anchor of identity, right? That mm-hmm. your identity is not in what titles you hold or how ahead you are or, you know, as great as grades are amazing, but they're not in your grades. They're not in how many people you can get to like your post. They're in being a son of God. Like that is your identity. And that that sonship is the greatest title we're ever going to receive. Like there is nothing on this earth that is ever going to come even remotely close to that identity. And it's so easy because of the noise that we all hear and see every day to lose sight of that. And to get just blown so far from that central anchor of identity. Yeah. And, and there, there's so much noise, like you said, with, with social media and it can feel like at times you're just getting hit, hit from all sides with how pervasive it's getting. It feels like you can't escape. So definitely mm-hmm. you got to cling to your identity as a son, as a mm-hmm. son in Christ, because yeah. without, without that, you're just going to get blown around. Like, like the Bible says, just kind of tossed around to and fro. To and yeah. Yes, if, you're, if you're not anchored in Christ. So it, it, it's hard and it's a challenge, but it's worth fighting for. How is the alternative reality of social media and your actual reality. Like we're talking about these two things that are a war of one another. How, how does that interface for you guys on a personal level from a day to day? I think for me personally, I've found that the longer time I spend like investing on social media and the longer time that I focus on it, the larger grip it has on my perception and my, like my reality, what I see to be my reality becomes shifted the more I'm living in that quote alternate reality, they kind of merge the more you spend on that poor reality in social media and in those, you know, in the noise, the more you spend time in the noise, the more it doesn't bother you, but it does Mm -hmm. overtake you and it becomes something that influences how you see the world. Yeah. Yeah, And I I think not only does it influence how you see the world, but like it it influences how you act in the world. You know, if if that's how, if like it's the way you see things is how you're going to start to act. If you're, on social media and you're constantly trying to curate this image or this desired image or or project yourself in some kind of way virtually eventually if you do that enough that's going to affect the way that you act around people and that the kind of image that you try Mm. to convey in person so yeah definitely double dose of reality there how do you guys fight for that true reality what do you put into central focus when you're trying to make sure that your perspective is clear and on track yeah, I mean, the central focus of anything's got to be vulnerability, especially as a leader. If you're trying to lead people in this generation, I mean, kind of yeah. people I feel like are going to be fed up with the the fake, the fake crap that you see on social media all the yeah. time, or kind of how how curated it is. So, you, you you've got to be real with people. Being nice doesn't really work, and showing people fake love is not is not a way to go anymore mm-hmm. because people want more than that. I mean, they want full leaders, not just somebody who's putting up some kind of facade. You know, that's that's kind of what I think. Vulnerability's got to be that central focus. That's great. Yeah, that's and great. and bouncing off kind of what Jake's saying with you know being nice or like kind of a fake fakeness to leaders is that successful leaders, if you talk to them, they're not approaching the people who are following them or the people who they're leading with a you know just woeful act of care. Like they're very intentional about what they say to them, what they ask them. They want to get to know the people they're leading so that they can lead them better. And I think especially in the most difficult times for leaders, knowing the people that you are leading is 
so important. It, it, it makes it so much easier to deal with the difficult circumstances you're in. Mm-hmm. How, how have you guys seen in, in leading Generation Z that being a priority during your time as president? It was hard to get guys to pay attention to you before you gave them serious attention and intentionality until you were vulnerable and until you were outwardly dedicated to what was best for them. And you showed that in every way that you could, they weren't necessarily receptive to what you had to say or what you may had to call them on. I mean, one of the biggest things about being in bucks is keeping others accountable. Accountability and vulnerability are two of the, the pillars of bucks in my opinion. And I think for us as officers, when we came in, our, one of our biggest things is we want guys to be vulnerable with us. But unless we were authentic with them and unless we were very dedicated to who they are and, and what they're trying to accomplish, it wasn't going to happen. That authenticity is the currency for you guys, right? For sure. Yeah. yeah, and it kind of, kind of goes back to what we mentioned at the start of the podcast with transparency as well, especially talking about just being nice and fake love doesn't work. People want to see the heart behind it. And a lot of that goes into how transparent you are with your guys when you're trying to lead them. Yeah, speaking of that transparency, Jake, what are the consequences of sacrificing transparency for the sake of being nice and liked? What's going to happen yeah. to the leader when they choose niceness over transparency? Yeah, it, it's definitely a lot easier and maybe even a lot more convenient at times to be nice. But that convenience of niceness isn't going to get you anything long term that's valuable. It may get you short term results. It may make help you avoid some some conversations or some things that you don't want to have. But it's not only bad for you, but also for the men that you've been entrusted to lead. Part of that leadership may it might include having hard conversations and, and consequences. But if you avoid having those hard conversations with your guys who may need it, not only are you setting them up to fail in the future, but you may also be getting into a rhythm of trying to take the easy way out no matter what, even when it's definitely much more worth it to go through that that obstacle or that hard conversation. It's not advisable or sustainable for anything. And it's just not really loving your guys as well as you can. Mm. You got anything, hey, Rob? I, I mean, I completely agree with what Jake's saying. I, I think... For a lot of guys, uh, it's awkward to have those brutally honest conversations. But as a leader, you might be the only one who is willing to call them on something or willing to talk to them about that thing. They might have yeah. best friends who are still, you know, it's a subject that they don't want to talk about because like Jake said, it's difficult. It's tough. And you have to be the one to not only do that yourself, but also push others to do it for you and for the other members of the people that you're leading. That's great. So just to recap a little bit of our conversation, we've we've talked about Gen Z and what they desire. They desire to be known. They desire to be empathized with, but also they desire clarity and transparency from their leaders and from each other. I say a lot to say, how do you guys balance being their friend and knowing them in this collegiate chapter context, but also calling them higher? How does that weigh out and how do you balance that? I think it's kind of a stepwise process, you know, as part of as part of pledging in bucks and, and, and being initiated it is getting to know people on a really deep personal level, much more something that's much greater than than superficial kind of knowledge, like kind of acquaintances. You're, you really do feel like brothers by the end of it. And so I think kind of being genuine with that and being authentic with the people that you're hoping to lead. I mean, you don't even have to be leading the guys then, but just trying to get to know them on a personal level and being real with them and telling them all the the ugly parts of your life and kind of putting all that before them for help and for encouragement. If you're not doing that, 
I don't think you can ever expect to, to have any success in trying to call men higher out of something or towards something. So yeah, I think you've got to, you got to lay the groundwork with that uh, vulnerability and just okay. being real with your guys, but you got to, you got to be able to establish trust with them because heard it said, trust is the mother of influence. It's something I learned from core. So if you don't, if you don't establish that trust, it's, it's not, it's not going to work out. It's definitely not in the long run. Yeah, I, I completely agree with Jake. I think, especially when you're trying to lead and trying to, if you are so passionate about a goal, but you're not passionate about the people that you're leading, those people are not going to care about your goal. It's not going to be a part of their vision. It's not going to be a part of their future. If you're not passionate about where they're going in their personal lives and in their faith journeys, I think it's so important, like Jake said, to become a real brother with someone and, and to be intentional about what they care about. Sometimes you have to go that extra step if they're not willing to. So for someone asking, look, I'm in the business world, I'm an executive, I lead 300 to 400 people, or I'm leading another Bucks Collegiate chapter, and I've got 100 plus guys I'm leading. What would be some things that you've learned along your journey this past year of being able to do that intentionally with a lot of people? I'd say there's no group that's ever too big to care deeply and intentionally for every single one, even if you are leading a group of 300, 400, I think it's important that you at least on a base level get to know the people that you're leading. And I also think it's important that you have, especially if you're on a team with 300 or 400 people, there's odds that you have other people who are also leading, you know, and I think if you are just as passionate with them as they are with the people that they're leading, your goal will get accomplished. I think if you are loving them well, then they will love the others well. And it, it kind of is like trickle down economics, you know? Yep. Yep. Trickle down. Come on. You're taking me back to my business days in college. I'm a business major myself. I got you. I got you. Yeah. One of the experiences that I had in, in this topic of how can I be intentional with a lot of people, one of the goals I had when I was in your shoes was walking into our Bucks house, which we're blessed to have a house at the University of Tennessee for our Bucks collegiate chapter, and walking in just saying, like, every guy that I have the opportunity to talk with in this house, I'm going to have a conversation. If I see you, I'm talking to you. And it's not going to be about like your test or like, you know, the weather's nice today. I don't know, like sports, whatever. It's going to be like, Hey, how's your life going? Like, how are things? And just talking with them. And it's amazing. The thing I learned through that was like, it was amazing. Cause I get in this like chapter room and I see them all, but you're able to pick up little things that you had with them or like, say like, Hey, like, how's the family situation? Or if, you know, we, we made a handshake one day, like be able to dap them up with a handshake, you know, in, in the chapter. It's just amazing how like little encounters accumulate and, and trickle down as well into deeper connection. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. If I, when I'm thinking back to, to even like when I was a pledge, which was, I don't know, almost three years ago, over three years ago, some of the most memorable conversations or the, the most vivid memories that I have from that were those like real conversations that I had, not only with my pledge brothers, but with like graduating seniors and officers who took the time to sit and talk to me, people who were who I considered yeah. leaders and that I was kind of looking up to at that time as, as a pledge. So definitely agree with you about not, not just brushing aside those conversations and really taking advantage of them. Yeah, that quality over quantity time with, with men goes a long way for sure. Well, I kind of want to pivot here. We've talked about Generation Z, what it's like to lead them, what they expect, but also from your perspective as well, which you tried to portray 
as not only as their leader, but also one of them. Well, love to hear some tangible experiences that you guys had along the way, like President Circle and Core Leadership Retreat. What are some things that you brought from these experiences that sharpened you as a man? And before we get there, audience, we have two training retreats. One is for all of our collegiate chapter presidents, where they get to come together from across the nation. All the presidents come together in Washington, D.C., and get high-level training from our national fraternity staff. and get to really sit with each other about what they're going through, but also get to be called higher as leaders, as men. Then our core leadership retreat is for a group of men from across the nation. This is for any member of Bucks to apply for and get accepted into. And this leadership retreat is about being refined as a businessman from Bucks alumni in Dallas, Texas. And they get to hear from a lot of different alumni from various backgrounds and professions and expertises of like, how can I be sharpened as a man? But also they get to travel all the way to Israel and walk in the places that Jesus walked and see in real life, full scope, what that experience was like and be immersed in that context together while also getting some amazing teaching and leadership from Bucks alumni and national fraternity staff. So we'd love for you guys just to touch on any and everything from any of those experiences and how that's impacted you. Yeah. So specifically from President Circle, there was just something, it was pretty cool to sit. And I mean, that was a much smaller scale because there was, you know, just the presidents in the room, me and A-Rob up there in, in Pinkston's office, shout out Christian Pinkston. But it, it was it was cool to know that you weren't alone. One, one really awesome aspect of President Circle is you kind of get broken up and, and put into smaller groups with presidents from other chapters that are, you know, kind of roughly your size. You You, you get to talk and discuss kind of what, what's going well with your chapter, what works, what doesn't work. So like being able to hear from those guys and, and seeing, wow, they've got some of the same problems I do, and this is how they dealt with it, or this is how they are dealing with it, or this is something they did that worked really well that wasn't even based off of a problem. It's just really cool to kind of to gather that kind of encouragement and advice from, from the people around you that are in the exact same season of life as you. Um, that was something that was that was really powerful and really meaningful for me with President Circle in particular. Yeah, for President Circle, I think one of the most unique parts about it is those are the only guys in the entire country who know exactly what you're going through. They're the mm -hmm. only guys who are experiencing maybe not the to a T exact experiences, but they are pretty much going to be dealing with the same sort of things that you are. And yeah. when you are the only one at your respective college or university, it is so tough. It feels so lonely sometimes because as much as you are in a, a group as an officer corps, there is something to be said for, you know, being the president and having that, you know, that kind of extra weight that you feel. And I think one of the other most important things I took from President Circle was that loving your officers is just as important, if not more important in the time being as loving your guys. Because if you're loving your officers super, super well, they're going to love your guys tenfold. They're going to be mm. more inspired to do things for the rest of the guys in the chapter and, and anyone who you're leading. And I think it's so important to take away that, you know, obviously everyone as an officer is going to be overwhelmed. Everyone's going to deal with their own things. But if you can take a little bit of that away from them, it goes a very long way for what they'll do for others. Yeah. That trickle down economics again, right there. We love it. We love it. We'd love for you guys just to touch on the core leadership retreat as well. What are some things that impacted you 
on that journey. This is the biggest takeaway I think I got is actually when we were at the Western Wall and seeing these Hasidic Jews who were praying so fervently to a wall that they, you know, they believe the spirit is closer there than anywhere else in the world. And it's like, I feel as if faith wise for me, and this has led into my leadership, but especially with faith, it has inspired me to be more intentional because the Holy Spirit is all around me. And if I was as intentional with the Holy Spirit as they are with where they think the Holy Spirit resides, oh my gosh, how great would my Mm -hmm. faith be? And that was something where it was, it was so powerful to be there. And, you know, you could take it from the angle of of being sad about it, or you could take it as, Hey, this is going to inspire me to do better in my own faith journey. And for me, that's been my biggest takeaway. Obviously there were some incredible quotes and little nuggets and snippets from core, but that to me has transformed how I look at my faith in a lot of ways. That's great. Yeah, I'm uh, going off of what A-Rob said. There, there's so much that you could talk about from core. I mean, you're you're in Israel for 10 days. Like there, it's hard. It's hard to kind of concisely talk about what you went through there. But one of the things that stuck out to me was just a couple of the sites we visited and just kind of how convicting and how just how amazing it was to be there. Like one day we were at we were in the Garden of Gethsemane where Christ was, you know, hours before he was eventually, you know, arrested, crucified and killed. And then like the next day we went to the garden tomb and in Golgotha where we were just standing there and, and Christian Pinkston was talking to us and he was like, this is where Jesus died for you. Just super meaningful, super convicting. And it just, it just put kind of into context, like visually kind of what, what you read about all the time and what you honestly may get desensitized to. It just kind of, you know, reminds me of how real it is and, and how, how meaningful you, it truly is. Yeah. With the transformations that everyone experienced over core, I think, almost all of us were dedicated to bringing that back to our chapters, whether or not the guys yeah. on the retreat were yeah. in leadership positions or are now in leadership positions after core, every single guy came away from it saying, this is something that if I can take a tiny little piece of this and bring it to my chapter, then I'm doing something great. And that to me is something, at least in last fall and my last semester of serving, it was like, I want guys to have some sort of understanding of how big the Holy Spirit is. And that was my personal thing for the guys that were at the Baylor chapter. But I've heard stories from a bunch of different guys, Jacob Carden at OSU being one of them. Shout out Jacob Carden. Shout out. I mean, that guy just, he exudes love in a way that is just insane to me. And I know that he does that so well at his chapter. And I know he, he just, yeah, that's all I really got. That's great. And yeah, I couldn't say it any better than you guys did. The heart of why core leadership retreat happens and president circle happens is because we firmly believe that the Lord has his hand on your lives as men and as individuals and as brothers under Christ, but also sons of the living God. Like he is moving in your life. And through that movement, you're impacting the men of your chapters in ways you do see and you don't see. And for us, you know, we just want to be a vehicle for that like hey how can we be a part of that journey in your walk with the lord as he leads you to pour into others in bucks and then also as you grow older too so we are going to pivot to the next section here and these are our audience questions so one of you will take the answer for each of these so you guys can organize that out or just or just call it out in the moment but i will rapid fire ask you a question and you guys will answer from there so we'll get started with the first one and the question is, I am not a part of Generation Z, but I lead those that are. How can I best lead those in Generation Z? 
if I had any advice for someone who's leading people who are a, a part of Gen Z, but aren't in Gen Z, it's a word we talked about earlier, but have empathy. I think so many people in Gen Z have been exposed to different experiences than older men and women in the world. I mean, like Jake said earlier, social media has had such a grip on our generation that it, it's never been seen before. Like from such a young age, we've been exposed and been honestly overwhelmed with the amount of avenues where you can see things that you probably shouldn't see at that time. But I think because of technology and other advancements and cultural changes, we have you know, been in situations that a lot of people don't understand. And when we talk to people who are especially older, are trying to lead us, but don't really understand where we're coming from, it makes it a lot more difficult to attach to what they're trying to accomplish or attach to, you know, their goals. And so I think if you are not a part of Gen Z, having empathy and trying to understand and trying to learn about, you know, the experiences that Gen Zers are going through, I think it's so much bigger and it will have such great impact on what you're leading them to. It's great. It's great. Second question here is my upbringing was not conducive of authenticity. How can I begin to lead a life in an authentic way? Yeah, I'll, I'll take this one. I, I really think the best start to living a life in an authentic way is surrounding yourself with those who do something that that Bucks is naturally designed to help to help you with. When I pledged um, and started going through kind of the pledge ship process and, and talking to lots of guys and getting to know them and sharing my story, I had really never done that before. So I didn't really know how to be authentic or how to be vulnerable with, with details about my life like that. So it ended up being my relationship with my big brother, Garrett Smith, and then my soul group when I was pledging kind of transformed that in me, as well as when I went to pledge retreat with my pledge class. I had a conversation one night in kind of a, a breakout style fashion with a guy who, who is one of my former roommates, going to be in his wedding here soon, one of my closest friends. But that's where that started. And I definitely learned a lot from him, and I still do, about being authentic and being vulnerable and just being real. So I think if, you, if you're trying to live that life of authenticity that you haven't really had around, that get it around you. you know, join a group like Bucks or, or try to find a group of guys, a group of men that, that will call that out of you, that, mm -hmm. that will show that to you, that will model that for you. And that, that's a really good way to start. Great. The third question here is how has social media and the branding of everything impacted how you lead? I can take this more towards the social media part. I think there's two ways to look at social media from a leadership perspective. You can look at it as a distraction for the people you're leading, or you can look at it as an opportunity for connectivity and for, you know, some actual relationship building as much as social media can be a detriment. And we've talked about that in this podcast. I think it's so important for those who are leading in modern day to understand that social media is an inevitable. It's not going away. It's not going to be something that's just a fad. It's been here. It's going to be here in different avenues, different ways. And I think mm. whether it's as a you know Bucks officer making a Snapchat group chat for guys to send stupid or funny photos in, or whether it's you know making a Twitter group chat for people to send funny funny memes or funny tweets, I think. On the basic level, if you're using social media as a leader for a connectivity purpose, I think it can be really advantageous. I think it can inspire guys to grow closer. You know, guys might figure out that they have similar interests to other guys that they would have never found out. And I think yeah. it's so important to look at it more on that side. And instead of trying to look at it as a detriment and that guys are going to be distracted or guys are going to be, you know, obviously mention that you know, if you're not doing well mentally, if you're not, if you're having struggles with mental health, social media might be a contributor to that. And 
you know, being honest with guys about maybe getting off of that is always a great thing. But personally, we've always looked at it as an opportunity to just get connected with guys, especially over COVID. That was massive. Yeah, it's great. Well, thanks for the answers for those. We're going to pivot to another section of questions. Same thing. Very rapid fire. Going to ask you these. And these are more personal questions from you of how you live your life as a man, as a brother, and as a leader. Number one is, what's one of the best pieces of leadership advice you've received? Something I learned from core relationships of trust are the most decisive factor in effective leadership. So something that's very simple, very true, and very meaningful. And for me, if you're loving the people you're leading earnestly, everything else will fall into place. That's great. Second one here, what is a habit, person, show, or something that has your attention right now? For me, it's uh, it's the Good Good Golf YouTube channel, and they have a podcast too. I don't really listen to that, but golf is like my current obsession. I've been playing and watching golf pretty much every day for the last like couple months since <laughs> I graduated, enjoying my time off, really. But these guys feed that obsession constantly. Great content, hilarious, just they're good golfers for the most part, which makes me envious, but also makes me inspired to play better. So, yeah, for me, for me, it's a podcast. Also, the Happy Rant podcast found it about three months ago. It's phenomenal. It's a podcast about nothing. Basically, it's just three guys who kind of sit there and rant <laughs> and vent. Very sarcastic, very dry, my kind of humor. But yeah, it's just not about anything serious. So it's, it's just kind of a nice break. Just kind of listen to a bunch of guys there talk about nothing, nothing of importance at all. Come so on. it's just it's just fun. That's sick. Next question here. What is one spiritual practice or rhythm that you're walking in currently that's helpful for you? For me, just taking time to genuinely pray for others. Something that I've kind of been cultivated in me really the past few months with, with the cell group that I've been in this year. My cell group this year has just been like really incredible. Some awesome guys in there who've encouraged me a lot. But it, it's so easy to sometimes just tell someone you're going to pray for them and then just completely forget about it. Yeah. So especially w with with the guys that I'm close to, it, it's so meaningful and special to actually do it, to incorporate that as part of kind of your time with God every day and throughout the day. It's a really, really cool way to consider and prioritize someone else's needs above your own. I mean, it's very humbling too, so... Something I've been trying to do a lot lately that's that's been really, really awesome. That's great. Yeah, for me, recently I've been walking through scripture kind of, like I said, with the microscope. I've been, you know, reading different translations, reading verses over and over again, trying to find as much meaning from from the word as possible. I I did the Bible in a year, my, my freshman year of college, and it was a great experience. But going back and doing a deep dive in a lot of these things when I'm not exhausted and, you know, just reading to kind of get it done is a really good practice. It's, it's been really interesting because I've looked at Greek words. Now I've kind of tried to get as much of a grip on specific verses as possible. possible. And it's, it's tedious, but it's awesome. That's great. With that being said, these, these next two questions, these, these are going to be intense. This is going mm. to, Probably bring some stuff out of you you never thought bring it. you had just with with the way it's going to grip you. So I'm not I'm just going to give you a few seconds. I'm going to give you two seconds to think about this. Then I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you the questions. Here we go. I'll give you two seconds. Okay, here we go. First question is, who is the goat? Michael Jordan or LeBron James, and why? It's not close. It's Michael Jordan. You could talk about 
the finals record. You could talk about the scoring titles. You could talk about whatever you want to talk about. But the thing that I think gets so undersold and under talked about is Michael Jordan is one of the greatest defensive players in basketball's history. The defensive player of the year alone sets him apart from LeBron, but also the first team defense honors. He has, I think, five or six first team defense in his career. He's an unbelievable defender. And that's something that, especially in modern NBA, just doesn't exist. I mean, the other night, I mean, a couple of weeks ago, sorry, not the other night, the Kings and the Clippers went to like 171 to 169 or something like that. That would never happen in the 80s. And you could talk about, you know, the shooting percentages are a little bit better. They're not that much better. The defense is just a lot worse. Fiery there, fiery take there. Yeah, agree with A-Rob here. It's Jordan. Sorry, LeBron. You don't you don't get to call yourself the goat. MJ didn't need to. So I mean, to me, that alone is enough. Facts. You don't you don't need to self yourself for that kind of title that that that's bestowed on you. That's not you know self proclaimed. I agree. I agree with you guys so heartily. I've always said if LeBron was six one one eighty five and Jordan was six one one eighty five, I don't think we'd need to have a conversation. I think Jordan would be. Miles ahead. Like, Wouldn't be close. From, from a skill perspective, from a competitor perspective, like 6-0 and in the finals. I'm with you, but I'm with you, but An audience, if you disagree, let us, let us know. We want to hear, hear these LeBron fans out here. And the what troopers. You guys have to bring. <laughs> Next question here. What is the best conference in college football, and why is it the SEC? I mean, it just it just means more. Even even Texas and Oklahoma have figured that out. They're they're joining the boat. But yeah, it's SEC, and it's just I don't think it's close. Yeah, I, I'm with Perky. Texas and Oklahoma are going to get exposed in the SEC, which I'm really excited for oh, as wow. a a fake Big Twelve football fan. As I've gone to Baylor, <laughs> I grew up in in South Carolina. I mean, Gamecocks till I die. So it's honestly been tough. It's been tough having to watch Big 12 football for the last four years. But yeah, the Southeast has a command and a grip on football that nowhere else in the country will ever be able to come close to. It's just, like Jake said, it just means more. Just means more. I was at the Tennessee-Alabama game this past fall. I cried. I laughed. I screamed. I jumped. It was insane. Like, you just cannot beat it. The NFL cannot figure it out either. Like, SEC, it just means more. Well, we're all in agreement for these two hard questions. Love it, love it, love it. So last thing here, we've got one more question for you guys. As we close this podcast down, we'll love for you guys to list any resources for our listeners that they can pick up in their journey in leadership. Yeah, if I if I had to recommend just one, it's a book that I, I've read a couple times. It was recommended to me by my former youth pastor, Follow Me by David Platt. Um, it's a very, very practical, very helpful kind of guide to walking with Jesus as a disciple kind of in today's day and age and what that looks like and what it doesn't look like. So if you're ever kind of looking for a resource to help you feel that out and figure that out, that's a book that I would highly recommend. It's great. Yeah, I, I'd, if I got to pick one, I'd recommend Dream Big by Bob Goff. I think it's his third or fourth book. All of his books are unbelievable if you haven't read them. Some incredible stories of faith and some incredible stories of what God's done in the world. But Dream Big especially gives you a little bit of a guide to, you know, doing big things, whether or not it's leading or whether or not it's doing um, large, you know, projects, whatever it is, it's leading with a way of faith. And it's just, it's a great book. Yeah. Highly recommend. It's great. 
So as we close this episode, we'd like to thank you both once again for hopping on today as we talk through what it's like to lead as a Generation Z leader and what it's like to lead others that are part of Generation Z as well and how that applies to your spiritual walks. Thanks for having us, Landon. Yeah, it's great. Awesome, awesome. Well, audience, as we close, thank you for joining us once again on this journey of leadership. We hope that this episode has encouraged you and we will see you on the next one. take this last moment as always to talk about bucks and who we are we are a lifelong brotherhood of committed christian men seeking the bonds of brotherhood and unity in christ through the avenue of a social fraternity on a college campus our founding verse is psalm 133:1. behold how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity to find out more about bucks information on joining or founding a chapter on your campus go to byx.org you can keep up with us on social media at Beta Upsilon Chi on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Thanks again, and we'll see you in the next one.